Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? I'm feeling pretty uh, morally ambiguous today. Oh, yeah. We're talking about The Last of Us 2, a gray game, both visually and morally. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a, it, We're going to try. There's so much to unpack here. There's so much going on that it's like... Yeah. We're going to try, y'all. I mean, there's there's so many conversations about this game, and a lot of them aren't even about the game, really. Yeah. They're about people's uh, fucked up worldviews. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, there's, I mean, there's a lot of noise around this game, but then there's, like, also a game to talk about. <laughs> there's also a game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. But, before we get into that, as always, this episode of Zero Brightness is brought to you by you, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly. Uh, you choose how much to kick in every month and you get bonus episodes every week. It's a little show that we call zero brightness plus. And there's about 80 of y'all right now trying to get it up to a hundred. So James is forced to play dead space. Ugh. Um, it's going to be good. You know, that's going to be a good episode. So tell <laughs> your friends and tell your family, um, get the word out sign up on patreon also you know reviews we like reviews especially on the apple uh podcast platform um yeah yeah, just tell everyone how great we are and as always uh zero (laughs) brightness is a game club we tell you what we're going to play next you can play along and we have a discord you can jump in and talk to us the schedule is is trashed (laughs) we totally destroyed the schedule um but we'll get back to it eventually. So probably not going to do like a game club segment like we normally do. Uh, I think the next month is going to be kind of touch and go weirdness. But after that, eventually, we'll get back to it. Well, I mean, Deadly Permonition 2 is about to come out. Yep. And you know that's going to be a long game. Yeah. So. And I'm not going to rush that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, yeah. Like, I want to put an episode out episode out as fast as possible but rushing these games isn't good for my brain yeah no and totally. you know and you know the this game i feel like suffered a little bit from me rushing through it for me to review it for the show as soon as possible so i can see what you're saying there but for me i didn't feel that way because the way i played the first one was just like i shotgunned it you know mm, like yeah i just it was like shoved the whole sandwich into my mouth all at once. Yeah. And so I wanted to do the same thing with this game, but that, <laughs> that doesn't really work with this game. Uh, yeah. But it, I definitely probably would have done it. I definitely probably. That's a great statement. <laughs> wow. That's my favorite Oasis album. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what I meant to say is that I probably would have done the exact same thing, even if I hadn't had to do the show i probably Mm. would have played the back half of the game a little bit different but we'll Mm. we'll get there when we get there oh yeah yeah so the last of us two um (laughs) we talked about this a little bit before we started recording but there's so much going on with this game that i'm gonna try to like structure this so that if you are trying to avoid spoilers and you're trying to still play the game yourself untainted or whatever you can listen to part of this episode that way, or you can make a decision, like an informed decision, how you want to listen to the episode, um, and you can come back later, or you can just wait until you've played mm-hmm. the game. But 
there's some stuff I want to talk about up front about the release of the game and some details and some of the stuff about the embargo, like what the company considers spoilers. Um, Mm. And then after that, we're going to go in and it's going to be, you know, very clear, like spoilers for the first half of the game and the ending of the first game. And then later when we get into the sort of late game spoilers, we'll like warn you, you know? So we're going to try and kind of roll through and like warn you guys when there's spoilers, but this first little section, I'm going to try and be like zero spoilers. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once you get a little bit into this conversation, there's no way to not have spoilers for certain stuff of the game. And I have like some opinions on that too. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I, I feel like it's a real shame that a lot of, uh, people went out, uh, like to great lengths to spoil this game because of all the controversy around it. I think it's a real shame. I'm glad I ignored it all. Yeah. And kind of went in went in as blind as possible even though it was sort of unavoidable to miss some spoilers yes well see okay here's what's interesting so this game has kind of been controversial from the jump um part of that is very stupid because there are gamers who are bigots who hate people who aren't like them in this case specifically like queer people gay people trans people uh they hate them and that's awful and those people should either change their minds or they should get the fuck out of everybody's way and what did david lynch say fix your hearts or die yeah and if i was going to modify that for gamers i would say change your mind or put on your vr headset never take it off slowly sink into the (laughs) cot in your mother's basement that you sleep on and don't fucking trouble us again yeah that's a paraphrase of David Lynch, obviously. Yeah, uh, that's how he felt. Uh. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, but so that is like part of the controversy, and we'll talk about that. But even really before that, there was some controversy around the game getting delayed and then suffering these like massive leaks that apparently mm-hmm. originated from there being a backdoor into Naughty Dog servers through like a store listing for the first game really yeah interesting kind of crazy shit and so someone got in there and they found a bunch of recorded test footage so it's like Mm. a tester playing the game and they found like hours of footage and a lot of it is from late game and so from that people started to get more angry uh and once again some of that is bigoted (laughs) nonsense and some of that is like I guess, like, not bigoted, but just normal, like, dumb gamer guy nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I hate that there's a distinction, but there is. Like, uh, sure. you know. But, um, yeah, and so for a bunch of people, the game was spoiled. A bunch of people got angry and decided that they wanted to spoil the game for other people. So the internet became a huge minefield. Both of us managed to miss all of it. Uh, Most of it, yeah. Yeah, which is cool. But now here's the thing. So, quote-unquote spoilers in this game, they're kind of weird. Uh, So, Naughty Dog created a review embargo, meaning a list of things that reviewers and press can't talk about pre-release in regards to the game, right? Mm. And the review embargo has some really weird stuff in it. Uh, I would argue that the review embargo is kind of bullshit because Mm. one of the big things you can't talk about is the very premise of the game. Mm 
uh, because it involves like a quote unquote twist. It's not a twist. It's just like a thing that happens. Uh, and they wouldn't let people talk about it because it was supposed to be like this big shocky moment. It happens like an hour into the game, right? Right. It's the premise of the game. If you knew the premise of the game already, you would guess this would happen. It was either like <laughs> this or one other possibility. Like I already knew. Sure. I knew this was going to happen because the other possibility was like kind of boneheaded. And I was like, this is what they're going to do. Now, the mm. other thing is something that happens halfway through the game. And it's not a twist. It's like a weird thing they decided to do that I personally don't think was a good choice, like in my opinion. Um, I don't have some sort of strong political feeling for that. I just didn't like how it affected the game. But it's like a weird thing that they wouldn't let people talk about it. Because once again, it's not a twist. It's not a shocking event. And it's just weird that they were like, you can't talk about this or say this. But it is a considerable chunk of the game. Yes. But that's the thing is like, I knew that there was something because reviewers kept saying, you can't talk about the last 10 hours of the game. So I was like, well, halfway through something happens. Halfway through something happens, but it's not a twist, right? Mm. It's, it's not like halfway through they start the human instrumentality project and the back half of the game is in Shinji's <laughs> mind. Like, it's right. not something crazy. It's just a weird design thing they decided to do that is weird. And I personally thought that if I had known about it, I would have reacted to it better. Uh, And instead, I was just kind of annoyed by it. (laughs) And then, like, I was kind of resentful of the game. And I Mm. finished the game still feeling not necessarily resentful, but, like, just, like, annoyed because I saw exactly what had happened. And I was like, that's sort (laughs) of annoying, you know? Well, I didn't know anything about this twist. And so I kind of stumbled into it. And, I mean, this isn't the first time video games have pulled this sort of thing. And it was, it didn't, like, ruin my experience of the game. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. It, it does have mixed results. Because it does mess with the, uh, the flow of the game significantly. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think that's the number one problem with it. Yes. That's why I don't like it. Because, um, like, also, this game is really long. Like... Yeah. This game, I think it took me 25 hours and really? I sped through the end of it. So like I sure. got I got to the end and I was sick of it. So I think for a normal person playing this game it's 30 hours. Just sprinting past the last few like <laughs> battle arenas. Yeah, I totally did that. Well, yeah, you get a lot of difficulty and accessibility options, which is great. It's like really cool to see in the game, especially obviously like Neither of us have like or live with a disability that would make us like need them for that reason. But just thinking about it in those terms, it's really Mm -hmm. cool. Like the work they put into that. And I really hope that this is like the future for games. Um, And I think that they should be applauded for doing that. But also even just from a basic enjoyment thing, like you can make the game a lot easier and more accessible, which I liked because yeah, I kind of got sick of the end and then sped through it with these options. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Cause we've played tons of games for the show that I was like dreaming about doing that, you know? <laughs> well, it's so configurable in so many different ways. So just like with these difficulty options, you can make the um, enemies like a little more blind so they can't see you as well. Yeah. Or, crank up the number of bullets you find if you're a bad shot. Um, yeah. Uh, just things like that, you know? 
Yeah. It's great. Totally. It, it was really cool. Um, I was happy to see that. But yeah, like the pacing of the game is just like really weird. And the game is super long. And so I don't know. I it, it made me just think more and more about the things that I liked and didn't like about the game. And I kind of mm-hmm. came out the other side just feeling super weird. But yeah, well, I, I would say the pacing is the number one problem of this game. And yeah. Last of Us 1 kind of felt like a season of a HBO show. Yeah. The Last of Us 2 feels like three seasons. Yeah. Uh, I beat The Last of Us 1 in a weekend. It was like a three-day game for me. And I didn't like play them hardcore like all day. Yeah. Uh, but The Last of Us 2, it's like, it feels like twice the length. And it has three times the plot points. And uh, just the pacing is, uh, I don't know, it, it part one had a lot more uh, parts where you're more reflective, you know? Yeah. And then part two, it feels like the, I don't know, they're hitting the gas like constantly. I don't know how much of that was me also, though, because, you know, we're trying to do it for the show. And so, you know, yeah, I was like definitely like sprinting towards the last half of that game. But I mean, at the same time, like, I don't know if I had spread spread the game out between like three weekends. Would I have appreciated the pacing more? Well, here is my problem with this game. I mean, I guess like overall, my problem with it was that regardless of how you split it up or how you played it, there's way too much combat. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. way too much combat. The game is so focused on combat and combat arenas and the pacing is fucked because instead of the original game where it was like, you know, surmount a difficult challenge and then get some breathing room to just walk and talk or see a cutscene or something very organic. Like, it was just one after another, after another, after another of these firefights and mm. like these stealth challenges or whatever. And the game is a lot harder. Uh, it is a lot harder in a way you that, think re- so? yes. And the reason I thought it was a lot harder was because it kind of has the dark souls thing um, where there's a ton of instant deaths and traps. And it just really drove me up the wall because like, uh, I hate that kind of difficulty. And and the the moment when I really realized it was when I got to a place where there was like a hidden uh, clicker waiting for me. And like I saw him right before he's about <laughs> to jump out. And then I like killed him. And it suddenly clicked into place that that whole entire area is basically a recreation of Blight Town from Dark Souls. <laughs> and I suddenly got like really, really mad. And that I think that was when I definitely turned on like all the accessibility options. Cause I was like, fuck this. Like nice. And that was the thing is like, I had tried bumping it down to easy ones before and it wasn't any easier because like there's so many, I was playing on normal for the, the one first hit kills. Yeah. So many one hit kills. I played it on normal for the first like 15 yeah. hours of the game. And then I played it on normal with some accessibility stuff for the next couple hours. And I think the last five or so hours of the game, I bumped everything all the way down. The, focus of the gameplay is not only more focused on combat but it's more focused on like room clearing uh Mm. than the first game was i just felt like i had to always kill everything always yeah um it it, i i feel like it it, the game is definitely easier if you play it like that Uh, i didn't considerably find it much harder 
uh, I actually found that the um, the scavenging was a lot more forgiving. Uh, I never really ran out of bullets or like health items in critical places in this game. But I do feel like there were more one-hit deaths, um, which is super annoying because you'll just get like stuck on one part and die ten times in a row. Yeah, and it's usually like during uh, a bad guy arena that you have to replay ten times. So yeah, I would say maybe the last four hours of the game, I turn the difficulty down just so I don't just instantly die constantly because it's very annoying. Yeah, the first I don't know. Maybe 10 hours of the game, every time I encountered enemies, I died once. And then I would complete it the really? second time. Wow. Yeah, it was like literally every time. And I started to realize it was because like there was so much really like slow animation-based stuff that results in an instant death. And it drove me crazy. Mm, yeah. It drove me crazy. It is really satisfying when you get to a new area and... Uh, you can just stealth around everybody and get past it without getting uh, detected. Like my my hitman, like silent assassin, fucking vision turns on, and when that clicks, it's just like so good, you know. Yeah, like they added a lot of mechanics. You know, it's a much more complex game, and there's a lot more going on if you want to get into it. But I just felt like. I was just bludgeoned down with so much combat that I just didn't care. Like, and it just, it was funny. Like Monica, even just listening to me play, it was like, it sounds like you're playing call of duty. Like, it's just like constant firefights, like gunfire and screaming and all stuff like nonstop. And it was just like, and it was just frustrating. Cause once again, like with the original game, it would be like, get past part like that, get some breathing room. Um, and also the original game, the environments were much simpler. So for me, it was easier to like stealth and then run away in this game. I could almost never run away because the environments were so complex and so detailed that if I tried, I got lost and died, you know? Yeah. I will say, I really do like the, uh, the new stealth stealth elements they put in when it comes to like hiding in grass Mm -hmm. and then you could lay down prone too to make yourself even less visible. Yeah. Like, I really became, like, really good at stealth at certain parts of the game. And just going through undetected and not starting a fighter f- firefight was sometimes more difficult but more rewarding. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I, you know, and I, I texted one of my friends this and I posted this in the Discord. And, like, I highly recommend everyone use the accessibility options if you're having trouble, like use the difficulty options because once I was able to get things calibrated so that I could more uh, consistently like pull off being stealthy, the game was way better, Mm -hmm. right? Because it was more like stealth all the time and then if I get caught or run into trouble, I have to fight or kill a guy or whatever. And it feels like that is more the way the game is meant to be played than like just murdering everyone all the time because like you can't get the mechanics to work you know in terms of you know going from part one to part two the combat mechanics haven't changed a ton um i feel like the melee is a little tighter um it doesn't really ever turn into like a fmv sort of like quick time event style thing but it really does get like more cinematic and um 
Uh, you know, essentially a lot of it is just like waiting for them to attack. You dodge and then uh, hit them while they're prone. Yeah. Um, but the but the, but the gun the gunfighting feels like almost exactly the same as the first game. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more items and things, but I didn't really end up using the fancy items. Like again, I like barely used any of the uh, auxiliary stuff. You know, like smoke bombs and things. I guess it's just not my style. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, that's what's funny. I, I used them a lot in the first game, and I didn't use them at all in the second game, really, just because it was mm. like, once again, I was just always felt like I was up against 100 guys, and I had to kill them all. And I was like, well, this yeah. is not the efficient way to do it. I'll get caught. So, <laughs> yeah. It, it does feel good to throw a brick in a guy's face, though. Well, sure. Let's be real. That's evergreen. Um, <laughs> n- But so, like, I guess to... to briefly return to like the whole political outrage thing in a non-spoilery mm. way i did want to say that if people are worried about playing this game because it it has something in it that's like politically provocative it doesn't i don't think no. it, it makes a single point or has a single point in it that is politically provocative that's actually part of my problem with the story we'll get to later uh it is a very straightforward story it's a very sure. straightforward narrative, honestly, and all the stuff you're hearing is just like noise. Like it's literally just incels and bigots just like screaming <laughs> on the internet. And if you're worried about that, I don't know, don't be worried about it cuz it's fucking stupid. I think like Run. there's like, you know, uh, I don't know if I can say any of it without it being spoilery in some way. You can't. No. Uh, I don't think I can, but I will just say that it is all stupid. It is like literally all stupid. There's nothing of substance to any of it. And if you're like a decent person, you can just, you should just play this game if you want to play this game because there's nothing in it that's bad. There's plenty to critique in this game, you know, without you being a bigot, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to talk about and unpack, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So don't worry about that. I'd seen some people on our Discord say they're maybe worried about that. Don't worry about that. The stuff that people nah. are saying online that's really bigoted is coming from them and not from the game. And uh, some of it also is darkly funny. Uh, if you also, like me, stereotype these sort of like angry online gamers as people mm-hmm. who don't know anything about women, uh, it's yeah. very funny in that way. <laughs> but once again, I'm I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> it's just SJW propaganda designed to recruit children into liberal communism yes exactly today your ps4 tomorrow the world (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah i don't know i don't know if there's anything else i can say without being spoilery so i think i'm gonna move past the non-spoilery part of the game I mean, what can we talk about but that's non-spoilery besides game mechanics you know uh, I, I would say this game feels so very, very much like part one. Um, it feels like they kind of reined back the environmental puzzles a bit. Yeah. And instead replaced it with just huge fucking environments you have to get through. Yeah. Um, I, at least 50 times I said, like, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. Yes. And just wandering around in the same areas, over, which is not necessarily like a bad thing. But, like, because these, I mean, this game is, like, absolutely gorgeous. But at the same time, having a little, I don't know, 
uh, I hate to complain about like being on a short leash on these monogenre games and then saying, you know, on the next episode saying that like maybe these environments are a little too open, but, uh, sometimes, yeah, it, it, it does feel a bit directionless. Um, yeah, the yeah. environments in this game are huge. Uh, that is probably okay. So the two things you notice booting this game up, like if you're just coming from the first game, is that the graphics tech is nuts. Like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. This game looks amazing. Also, it runs and looks amazing on a base model PS4. Solid 30 frames. Yeah, no issues at all. Um, looks great. Uh, that's the first thing you notice, and like it's it is weird because some of the characters like look real which is really Mm -hmm. crazy. But then other characters don't, which is also kind of funny. And like, sometimes you get into like a conversation between two characters where like one of them looks like super real and the other one looks still kind of cartoony. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. It is what it is, but the game looks insanely good. It, it runs really well. And that's the first thing you notice. The second thing you notice is that the environments are in normo, dude. Like (laughs) they're so huge. And there's moments where I loved that. Uh, yeah, I will say like the first like three or four hours of this game are fucking great and like there's a section in the early part of the game where you're just like riding around on a horse in like a beautiful landscape and it's like so cool it's sunny it's daytime like you're in Seattle and it's abandoned it's fantastic but as the game goes on, there are environments, especially either you're stuck in trying to solve a puzzle or more more likely you're in the middle of a firefight with a hundred fucking dudes. And like <laughs> the environment is super detailed and the environment is like, you know, just really hard to navigate because of all the detail. And yeah. that can be super frustrating, super, super frustrating. Yeah. I mean, there's also just like a glut of like, warehouses like there's gonna be warehouses and there's gonna be like ladder puzzles and shit yeah and i really feel like that could be pared down but then again there are like beautiful vistas like uh suburbia some mansions things like that that are just totally gorgeous and like i don't know how the little playstation is pushing all that but it's it's truly magical like yeah. you could tell the PS4 is at the end of its life cycle because it's starting to do some like supernatural shit. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, they definitely sacrificed some goats to like get this game to look the way it does. Uh, well, yeah, and like I would say too along with that, I really early in the game, I really liked how the big environments changed the loop because mm-hmm. they would put you in an area, a largeish area and then they would basically let you either go towards the goal, like you know roughly where the goal is, or you can detour and go through side areas. Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of near Automata. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the the area you're in is never huge, huge, right? It's mm-hmm. not like a whole open world, but it's like a mini open world or open area, you know? Sure. And I actually really liked that. Like all that early stuff that kind of the same area I'm talking about was really cool. And like, it definitely made the game feel a little bit different. And it also kind of let you choose like how completionist you do you want to be? Do you want to go explore? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to do this and that? And I, 
I liked that. That doesn't that really, was really cool. Doesn't happen after the first few hours. I also appreciate that there are less like I don't think there are any like floating palette puzzles. Like, <laughs> no, a lot yeah. of the puzzles do feel more organic. Oh, uh, this is a great time to mention uh, the the fucking rope physics in this game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like Ellie's like coiling cables and stuff and ropes are the right length and you can throw them and dangle them. Really uh, cool tech. Cool rope tech, Naughty Dog. Cool rope tech. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the whole game is just like technologically, it's a it's a marvel. And I mean, I I came out the end of this game having really mixed feelings because my opinion of it, I said this to you in a message, my opinion of it was just ricocheting around constantly. <laughs> but like on a spectacle level, I like 100% don't regret playing this game because it's like, I, I don't even know what else looks like this and, and feels like this, like some of the areas and some of the stuff. It's like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. so if that is a thing that you're interested in, like, you know, it's almost like, you have to look at it at least a little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have, oh, I have so many thoughts. They're all so spoilery, but you know, yeah. you know, well, it, does, it does have sort of like a, um, a blockbuster sequel itis problem. You know how, uh, blockbuster movies, like let's say, you know, die hard and die hard Two, Like, uh, they just like explode in scope and they, yeah. they have to be 110% everything. You know, this game 110% like so many things. Yes. And I think like it, a lot of it is not super necessary or could have been DLC or could have been a sequel. Yes. I think that my big problem with the game, well, I had two big problems. Number one, it was just too much combat. Like I just got yeah. bored and I didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, y- you are, you have maybe read a couple reviews that say this game is a slog it absolutely is a slog and because of the pacing is just for much of the game is just combat, more combat, more combat. It really feels like you're walking through a bunch of mud to like (laughs) climb up out of the mud and then look out and see another field of mud. And it kind of only gets worse as the game goes along. So that was Mm -hmm. one big problem I had. I didn't enjoy that. And I thought the pacing was doo doo, but the other big problem I would say about the story, and it does very much feel tied into what you're talking about with like, the sequel having to be so much bigger and so much more epic is that I feel like it does not have the heart and soul of the first game. Mm. Um, It just doesn't to me. It doesn't have an emotional center. Uh, It's just so much about these characters just almost like moving around like chess pieces. And even with some of the messaging and the way that it talks about similar things that the first game talked about, it almost felt like it was a sequel to a different game. Hmm. And like, I know that's not what all these fucking gamer chuds are mad about, but (laughs) it it was weird that at moments I kind of got the like feeling, you know, you're seeing people online say like, this doesn't even feel like a sequel to the first game. Like they're saying it for reasons that aren't this. Cause I know I've read their, their critiques and their, the critiques of an angry 10 year old. This game just doesn't feel like it really has the emotional core of the Mm. first game. And so it made me feel very distant from it well okay so part one is like a very personal tale it's really just like about elliot and joel and their journey right and their relationship right this game because it has to be so much more brings in a bunch of new characters and introduces a a lot of characters 
And that emotional core is never really fully fleshed out because there's just too many people to cover. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because, okay, th- this is like such a nerdy parallel that I'm going to draw. And also like, it's so nerdy that I bet half the people here are going to be like mad at me because they disagree. Cause they're also like nerds, but like, <laughs> Okay, so the first game felt like it had a specific viewpoint that it wanted to interrogate. I think that it's vague, so it leaves it open to interpretation. I'm not Mm. saying that there's one right way to interpret it. And if you listen to our episode, you know exactly how I interpret it, which is probably not a popular interpretation. Uh, Looking around the internet, I'm seeing that it's not. But I do think it had one specific viewpoint that it wanted to interrogate. It was basically like, what does it mean to be a good guy? What does it mean to be a hero? Mm. And like it then let you kind of experience the game and come out the other side with an answer. Uh, The second game doesn't have anything like that. I think the second game has more of just like this big violent world that it wants Mm. you to experience. And because it's so much bigger and because it's so trying to be in the realm of like a blockbuster movie, you know, uh, it ends up not having that specific thing it wants to interrogate or talk about. And so it ends up to me, and I know to some other people, it ends up feeling kind of hollow for that reason. Like that's a word I'm going to come back to a lot is that it felt kind of hollow. And what it made me think of is a little, a little TV show you may have heard of called Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> Remember that one? What? Remember that old chestnut? So, okay. The original Neon Genesis Evangelion is like, it's just like this game. It's super controversial. There's a bunch of different viewpoints on it. There's a ton of people who love it, but everyone has their own like take on it and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that I liked about it rewatching it as an adult is you can tell that the creator... Hideaki Anno had a specific thing he wanted to talk about. And you can read interviews with him where he tells you exactly what that thing is. Mm-hmm. That thing is, Hideaki Anno believed at that time in the mid-90s that that generation of Japanese adults was basically going to be entirely useless and completely a write-off because like, consumerism in Japan was infantilizing them to the point that they weren't even people anymore. That was his thesis. And so mm-hmm. he wrote a show that had a main character that was supposed to be a proxy for that type of viewer who it then just degraded and talked down to and just beat up for the whole show until <laughs> at the end, hopefully giving you this like revelation that like this is not a good way to be. Mm-hmm. The show is so weird and confusing that there's no guarantee that you will have that interpretation of it at all. <laughs> like, But you can tell that he was trying. There's a heart and soul and a center to Neon Genesis Evangelion that, like, you can't deny regardless of your interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. 20 years later, they made the movies. The movies don't have that. And because of that, the movies are just, like, a sci-fi space adventure. They're awful. I mean, if you pretend that they're not the same series, they're fine. They're just a sci-fi space adventure. But, Mm -hmm. like if you're trying to get the feeling of the original and the emotional core of the original, 
it's not yeah. there and it's yeah. clear why because he wanted to make a blockbuster movie sure i had to sell those evangelion toothbrushes oh yeah <laughs> the the quip x evangelion collabo mm-hmm. yep. yeah i mean it's just like you can see how it happens and i feel like with this game i was like oh this is that it doesn't make it hmm. bad and it doesn't make you like dumb for liking it like i'm not trying <laughs> to say that at all but like to me as someone who really liked the first game for the themes it brought up and the emotional core of it and mm. the things it made me think about that very few other games had i don't feel like that's present in this game which is also why it's so weird to me that it's so controversial I would say a good analogy to this game would be that Last of Us 1 is more like Dawn of the Dead and Part 2 is more Day of the Dead. Sure. I mean, it's 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 just more I mean, it's more about the action, more about the violence and less about the interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah, or like Alien and Aliens, right? Sure. Yeah. But I guess like I like all those sequels. And I have problems with this game, which is like, I think the difference being that this game is still marketing itself as something similar to the first game. And it's still saying that it's like very deep, like the first game. And that's what kind of threw me off. And I think what kind of made me have some negative feelings. It does have a few points where it's where they get you. Like there was a couple points where I was like, you motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. You took me in emotionally hostage again. (laughs) <laughs> and I fell for it. But yeah, it's it's few and far between and it's really just about around characters we already know. Um but you know, all that being said, I don't think it's a horrible game. No. Uh, I think I, I think if you played the first one, you gotta play the second one just to see because you know, we're we're dealing with the same storyline here. Um You know, it's probably two points behind if 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 The Last of Us won is a five out of five star this one's you know like four to four and a quarter see maybe even higher maybe maybe with time it'll be higher i didn't feel that positive about it um i think that if you are gonna play it put it on easy and don't bang your head against it because you'll get really frustrated i think if you are gonna play it also you need to go in knowing that it's not the same experience as the first game mm. It's not going to make you feel the same way. And I think if you're open to that, you might like it more than I did. But I had so many problems with the story and the writing and the messaging that it was really hard for me to get through it. And especially with just the glut of combat. I mean, towards Mm -hmm. the end of the game, it was like, I cannot believe this is still going on. I cannot (laughs) believe like, and I, and I came out the other side and it was just like, I, yeah, it's like, I don't hate this game, but I do resent it, which is a much weirder thing to feel towards yeah. like a video game. But, you know, and, you know, but at the same time, you don't want to just like hold your controller and watch a fucking movie for an hour. Like you do want there to be a game. I actually did, though, with this game. Like, I thought the pacing <laughs> was so messed up by the combat that I once again, I was texting my friend Michelle and I was like, I kind of just want to watch the movie of this game. Like, and this was when I was like 15 or this is more like when I was like 18 hours in. I was like, I kind of just want to watch the movie. Yeah. I mean, act two could use some truncation and like have some cutscene stuff, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Definitely. Well, okay. I guess, you know, we, we need to switch gears here and start yeah. talking about the story because there's, yeah. So I'm going to say this. We're going to do the spoiler thing now. This is a spoiler thing. But like I said earlier, I do think that some of the things that the embargo says are spoilers or some of the early game stuff they're marking as spoilers, you're almost like better off going into the game knowing. And I think that Mm -hmm. in a few months, everybody's going to know this shit anyway. So if you want to go in totally, totally fresh, don't listen. But if you're maybe open to knowing like some of the stuff, uh, you can keep listening and we'll definitely tell you before we get into the like mega spoilery like late game end game stuff yeah i mean if you don't know already like going blind like for fuck's sake yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's talk about it first <laughs> a lot of listeners either know or don't sure. super care yeah. um so i'm just kind of like hedging my bets here you know i don't know yeah okay but, so Hey, it's Ollie here. I think I was trying to make some point about if you didn't want to have the end game spoiled, you could still listen to like the next part, but that's not true. Uh, we like aggressively spoil the fuck out of this game from here on out. So, uh, yeah, stop listening if you don't want spoilers. Come back later. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so basically the setup of this game, it's Kill Bill. <laughs> a little bit so the big thing that happens in the beginning of the game and once again you probably already knew this because they've been saying it's a revenge story who would mm. ellie be revenging like yeah. i knew it was either her girlfriend or it was joel turns out it's joel they kill joel at the beginning of the game it's um, four years later they're yeah. in uh jackson wyoming isn't wyoming yeah uh, their their little town at the hydroelectric dam is doing freaking great. There's like several hundred people there. You know, all all the able-bodied people are doing like security patrols and stuff. Yeah, they're even having little hoot nanny hoedowns and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, Ellie's what eighteen or nineteen now. Yeah. Uh, got a bunch of friends. So you're like introduced to like this big cast like right off the bat like. Ellie's friends, her love interest, um, some other people in the town. You meet Tommy again, Joel's brother, Tommy's wife. And, uh, yeah, everything's just fine. But uh, Joel fucking dies because uh, Joel did a bunch of shit. So, I mean, what goes around comes around. Yeah. So, basically, this group of people who are not from the town, they're from somewhere else. So from seattle they come and they murder joel now the way that this is framed is pretty cool because you briefly play as one of them right and it's like how they introduce you to like the events that lead up to joel dying and like joel's death and that's pretty cool and it doesn't like introduce them as like horrible people either they're not like clearly bad guys when you meet them yeah yeah um yeah and you can clearly tell that this game took some influence from the DLC uh, for the first game, which kind of mm. jumped back and forth between times and perspectives. And that is something that this game does. And then, you know, halfway through it, like really does it. And then you're like, yep. Oh wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Jill's dead. And basically Ellie's like, I'm going to go get revenge. She has like a, a girlfriend who decides to come with her Mm -hmm. and 
they go to Seattle and they're like, I am gonna kill Bill. This movie is, or this game is definitely like a fucking Western. And like, yeah. so many people are gonna get shot in the stomach. Yeah. And then like scream to death while laying on the floor bleeding out. Exactly. And I will say that, so in the beginning of this game, I was really on this game side, like 100%. Because, yeah. you know, it's Kill Bill. I like <laughs> Kill Bill, you know? And also, it sort of puts the violence in the context because, like, the game has this crazy graphic violence like we talked about in the first game. I don't yeah. think it has as much... It didn't feel like it had as much of a perspective on it, and I'm going to argue later that it still doesn't, mm. but... It feels more like something out of Kill Bill or something out of Your Next. Uh, have you seen that movie? Mm. No, I haven't. Uh, okay, Your Next is amazing. It's like <laughs> this really great home invasion movie, uh, and basically this family gets murdered, and then it's like one person against this group of invaders. It's insanely gory and violent, like mm. super over the top. But it's like. A very good movie and it positions things in a way kind of like we talked about in the first episode in a way that the original last of us doesn't right it's not just like you're the good guy they're the bad guy kill him but that's what something like you're next or kill bill does right like yeah we all know revenge isn't good we all know that like hate is wrong but like a ridiculous revenge movie doesn't really interrogate those questions and so you're like mm. okay all right we're doing this uh (laughs) and yeah that's like the beginning of the game that's the first part of the game and she even gets like a stack of polaroids of all the people who are in the party that killed joel and she's like okay i'm gonna find them all and like cross them off the list just Mm -hmm. like kill bill yeah she makes it like her life's purpose and then she like drags her girlfriend along too yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's yeah it's weird but like that's the first i don't know like 15 hours of the game yeah so you know there's a prologue where it's in jackson and then there are basically like three big chapters where you're in seattle as ellie hunting down all these people and you might find one person or like an abandoned so the people are part of this group called the Wolves, and they, they're kind of like a paramilitary organization that uh, took over Seattle. You know, uh, they're, you know, they're different factions, but they're basically like the, the main faction at this point. Sure. And so, you know, you find clues at like empty wolf hideouts, and, or maybe you'll hear radio signals that like maybe this person's over you know, at the hospital, so you have to go over there and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the game really does open up at this point. And uh, yeah, basically like there's three days in Seattle where Ellie is tracking these people down and killing them all. Right. And like as it goes on, you see that there's a whole political situation there going on. Mm -hmm. There's another group that are called the Seraphites who are like a cult. Uh, Yeah. That's what everyone calls them. And you get a little bit more insight into it later in the game. But so you start encountering them and you see that they also like those two groups fight each other and you're kind of like dropping in the middle of this fucked up situation. Yeah. Uh, it's like a cool setup in terms of escalation um, because initially you think you're just going into this area that's just like where you're from where it's like, okay, we're going to have to kill a bunch of people, but it's just like one group. 
And then there's another group and they're fighting and it gets really crazy. And there's definitely moments where you're like, holy shit, what is even going on here? You know? Mm -hmm. And like, it has that good, that good escalation that you want in like some type of horror media. Uh, Sure. But, oh, and I should, I should pause to mention one of the, so one of the big controversies around this game that resulted from the leaks uh, was that they killed Joel. And, like, gamers were just mad because they, like, identified with Joel, which, if you listen to our first episode, (laughs) I find, like, super disturbing, but that also completely fucking fits within my profile of gamers and my general stance, which is that gamers must be stopped. (laughs) They all wanted Joel to adopt them as their babies. Yeah. And it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, when I saw it was a revenge story, I was like, okay, they're either going to kill Joel or they're going to kill her girlfriend. It would be weird to kill her girlfriend because we don't even know her. Definitely going to kill Joel. And it's like the structure of the game, that first part of the game, is that you're getting flashbacks. And so you see Joel still. You have, like, a couple adventures with Joel. and like Which are great. Yes. Uh, I I will say that, like, they killed Joel off as a character, but they kept him around as... Like, it, like when Ellie falls asleep, she like dreams about him and things like that. Yeah, and keeping him alive that way was like such a smart way to keep you like emotionally invested in the game. Yeah, I thought it was great, and I once again I felt the influence of the DLC, which I was really happy to see because I loved the DLC for the first game. It's a super mm-hmm. good story, and I really liked the structural trick of you know. A, continually flashing back to a previous event that's relevant to the story at this like big chunk of the game there are a lot of things that like piss people off like idiots like they think there's like sjw like tokenization going on Uh uh-huh like okay let's just talk about these uh ellie's girlfriend is jewish and so you end up like going through a synagogue and she talks about her jewish heritage yeah there's another part where you go through Seattle's gay district, and so there are like rainbow flags and like rainbow painted like uh, crosswalks and things like that. Like, sure, you've been to a city, right? Yeah. And then so Ellie's best friend is an Asian guy, and the Jewish girl uh, is her is his ex girlfriend, and she's pregnant with their baby. Yeah. And so, like, I guess this makes, like, neck beards, like, heads explode. <laughs> yeah. Because it's all SJW propaganda. Yeah. I mean, if you live in a small town in 2020, chances are your dumbass got dumped and your girlfriend started dating a girl. Okay? Like, <laughs> this is this is just pretty believable character drama if you're not a fucking Nazi. Right? Like, <laughs> it's so stupid. And, yeah, once again, like, oh, sorry, guys. Ellie's still gay. Like, oops yeah um but like it's it's so dumb like i couldn't believe it and i was trying not to look at why people are mad because i didn't want spoilers but then mm-hmm. once i got to the thing that happens halfway through the game i was like i bet this is part of it and i looked it up and i was like <laughs> it's even dumber than i thought yeah um yeah so all those people i don't know why don't you take up a new hobby like uh I don't know. Just dig in a hole and you go down in the hole. You stay in the fucking hole. How about that? <laughs> you live in it. You live in it. You stay in the hole. You don't talk to anyone. You don't bother anyone with your garbage opinions. You <laughs> Nazi scum. How about it? 
You get some exercise digging the hole. You get some sun when you're above ground, but then there's shade in the hole. There's no great. taxes in the hole. There's no taxes yeah. in the hole. You can eat whatever you find in the field, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a sort of hunter-gatherer lifestyle. Get in the hole, yeah. guys. Come on. Get in the hole. <laughs> Zero brightness. Get in the hole. That's our new social program to yep. try and fix the problem with gaming. <laughs> gaming culture. That's the worst phrase ever. Like pretending that there's actually a culture inherent. Jesus. That's like H. saying white culture. Exactly. <laughs> At this point, 4chan is white culture. Ugh. Anyway. Potato salad with raisins. <laughs> Potato salad with fucking mandarin oranges in it. God no. damn. No. no. Uh, yeah, so that was a quote-unquote controversy, but... Okay, so yeah. do we need to talk about the next big twist? I'm looking at you, Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> yeah, so the next big thing, we already warned you we were going to talk about it. So, halfway through the game, uh, you switch perspectives, and you play as the character that you played as in the beginning of the game, who killed Joel. Yes. And that's most of the rest of the game. It's like the next 10 hours of the game. Well, let, let's talk about the story that leads up to that. So Ellie has basically found almost everyone and slaughtered everyone. Kill Bill. Um, yeah. Super, super, everyone's super Kill Bill dead. Yeah. She ends up at the Aquarium Marina uh, in Seattle. And she's about to find the girl that killed Joel. Um, Abby abs and um, he's not she's not there but uh, Ellie slaughters everyone else slaughters a pregnant woman and um, Tommy shows up finally because like half half the fucking game you're trying to find Tommy Tommy shows up at this moment and he's like let's go like she finally found Tommy and they say let's leave she yeah. goes back to her base and uh, Abby shows up, and Abby's really mad because you killed everyone. So she starts killing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, at this point, she shoots Tommy. She shoots um, Ellie's best friend. Yeah, yeah Jesse. Uh, and, yeah, she's holding uh, Ellie at gunpoint. And uh, then the perspective changes to three days prior, and you're Abby now for, like, the next quarter of the game it feels like less time than ellie's part but i don't really know how that balances out in terms of actual gameplay time i think when i looked at it it was like the first 15 hours i was ellie mostly Mm -hmm. ellie's your main character then there was like seven hours of abby Uh and then there's like a little two three hour epilogue yeah 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 so it's a long time and like the game has pulled this trick before uh when you switch perspectives and so initially you're like i'm just this is a little short thing and then it just keeps going and it keeps going and after like an hour (laughs) you start picking up upgrade pills and you're like oh my god this is just the rest of the game isn't it yeah and it, it keeps doing the same things that happened in the first part of the game too like Abby's dad was the doctor that was going to do the surgery on Ellie and kill her to find the vaccine who Joel fucking popped in the face in the first. Yeah. Game. Yeah. So Abby wants revenge on Joel and nothing's going to stop her. 
And then, you know, Ellie does the same thing. Revenge on Abby, no matter what's going to stop her. Yeah. And then, so, this second part of the game, it's the same three days of Ellie's three-day Seattle adventure, but through Abby's perspective. And then she also has flashbacks to her childhood from when her dad was still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happens halfway through the game. And I felt like it was really bullshit (laughs) of Naughty Dog to try and hide that. Because, number one, it's not a twist. Number two, it's not a fucking revelation. It's, It's just a thing that happens. And number three, it makes it feel like they didn't have the confidence in the game's story to feel that if people knew that, they would still have an emotional reaction to it, Hmm. right? Which I just think is bullshit. And like you mentioned earlier, they tried this before in Metal Gear Solid 2, and everybody was fucking annoyed by it. (laughs) It was shitty. Like, I, you had the expectation that you were going to play as this character. You already have an emotional bond with this character, and they switch it on you. Now, like Metal Gear Solid 2, I don't think that there's a super compelling reason to do that, and that's why I didn't really like it. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, once again, it's done so much better in something like Nier Automata, where it switches to a character that you already know and have an emotional connection as, but you don't know what their perspective is. And like, Mm. that actually made the game really interesting and kept you engaged. Like, when I switched to Abby, I was just annoyed. Because also like, (laughs) okay, so like the game, the reason that they have this thing and the big like thematic reason they do this is that they're trying to humanize everyone in the game, right? Yes. So like, the idea is that like you're not just killing people, you're killing capital P people. Like mm-hmm. you know who they are or it wants to show you who they are and give you some sort of like context for what you're doing. But like it's still it feels like they really backed off of doing that more fully for a few reasons. Cuz like number one, Abby is annoying. She's uh, a chad. She's a Chad and she comes from a society of Chads. Like they're literally like a Spartan war society. Everybody there is just like a warrior. They're all like, hoorah, I want to kill more. And like basically the whole first like four hours that you're playing as Abby, you're just like, you suck. Your whole town sucks. I want Ellie to kill all of you. And then like (laughs) they start like at that point for the last few hours, they start humanizing her and making her more relatable and blah, blah. But it's like, it takes so long to get going and it's like so uninteresting. And you're just so annoyed because there's even more like hyper difficult one hit kill filled combat. And like, it was just so annoying. And I, once again, I think at the end of it, I didn't feel like the themes that they were chasing with that structural choice were important enough or like moving enough to really justify that structural choice. Sure. This whole third act, I'm going to call it the third act or second act really because it's prologue first act and this is the second act. Yeah. This sure. whole second act, it, it, it reboots the computer, right? And so it starts out like introducing you to characters and it's trying to make you give a shit about them. But all the characters kind of feel like, I don't know, like tropey or, you know, at best, like the gang and aliens. Yeah. But at worst, like kind of like a a horror movie teeny bopper group, you know? Yeah, totally. It's very Final Destination. And you know that they're all going to get a windshield through the forehead. So it's like kind of hard to give a shit. (laughs) Like... 
You're like, I know you're gonna get popped. Like, yeah, you know, like I slit your throat three hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. And it, and it's actually a big problem because with Ellie's story, you're really involved and like yeah. you really you know these characters and you care and you don't know what's going to happen to them and so like it's stressful and the game keeps adding like stressors (laughs) like you know it's like oh like well there's dina you know dina's like really sweet and wholesome and it's like oh now dina's fucking pregnant too god damn you know it's like you're just stressed like oh jesse's here jesse's also really wholesome like fuck man you know better play some aha on acoustic guitar (laughs) oh yeah what was that uh (laughs) I don't even want to get into the guitar stuff with this game because it was so dopey. But uh, yeah. I kind of liked it, but at the same time, it was dopey. They made me swipe on the goddamn swiper pad, and like yeah, yeah. Well, and you're still jiggling PlayStation controllers too in this game. Yeah, not as much, but yes. But yeah, the whole like, Joel teaching Ellie how to play guitar, and then she's like playing guitar through the game. That's so fucking cute. And That's then it turns, you know, of course, towards the end of the game, it it turns in becomes part of the theme of the the overlying theme of the game too so yeah i thought it was cute yeah thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness you can also find and interact with us on facebook instagram and discord all the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com we'll see you out there but okay, so thing about Abby, <laughs> like <laughs> going back to that for a second, like it just when I started playing it, I was a couple hours in. I started to think this feels like DLC that they forced into the game, <laughs> and I fully believe that. And the, the one thing that happened specifically that made me like really really firm in that belief is that if you look at the structure of the game, it makes way more sense if you just take out Abby's part. Right. Mm. Because uh, in the beginning of the game, there's like an intro and then there's a little section where you play as Abby. Then there's a long section where you're Ellie. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the game, there's a little section where you play as Abby and then a longer section where you play as Ellie. Right. Yeah. When you're once you've played that like seven hours as Abby it's really weird and jarring to then get put back into her shoes. Like, cause you play as Ellie again for like two minutes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then like you're back in Abby's shoes and it's really weird, but that seems like really short. It's like 15 minutes. Um, and then you're back to being Ellie. And so like structurally I was like, that's really weird. That doesn't make sense. And I was like, that feels like they knew that the main story of the game was about 17 hours. And they were like, we better juice it. And, Mm -hmm. like, I felt like Abby would have been much better as, like, a DLC thing. And if I had gone into it knowing that, like, that's what I'm doing, then, Mm -hmm. like, and, like, instead having some of the just small scenes, like, the scene where you see that her dad was the guy that Joel killed is very important. I think it's important to play that from her perspective. There's a couple other scenes. There's one storyline that I liked in her scenario, but the rest of it, I was just, like, Man, it just went on for so mm. long. Yeah, well, okay. Well, let's talk about her scenario a little bit. I mean, she uh, she's like romantically interested in a guy that got another girl pregnant, which is like another mirroring of Ellie's story, right? Right. But um, 
this guy is sort of like the least violent person of the group and he tries to like push them into like a less violent path uh he ends up like going a wall at a certain point because he just didn't want to do it anymore he's tired of it and uh abby goes to look for him uh along the journey she gets caught by the seraphites and like hung yeah and uh while she's being hung she meets a couple of uh allies which are uh two seraphite children that are about to be executed their names are lev and i think it's yara yeah yeah and uh lev is the smaller one he has like a bow and arrow and yara has a broken arm uh, but they get you down from the tree, and then they be, sort of become like fast allies. So they, you know, fast forwarding, they finally get to um, where Homeboy went AWOL, uh, which is that aquarium that we were talking about. And then you know, you, I hate how they keep like putting you on like side quests. Like you have to go get medical shit for Yara, and that turns into like a two-hour-long side yes. quest. Yes. Like I was just like ready for that to not happen. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that like her scenario just feels mega padded. Like, yeah. why does it have this long intro? Why does it have these side quests? Like, cause it also cuts you off right at a pivotal point in the story that you want to yeah. see, you want to see what happens. And then it makes you wait like seven fucking hours. And it's like, you know, Ellie's going to fuck shit up at that aquarium. Like at that point in time, why are we going on a long extended side quest? Yeah. It's so annoying (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i I did want to bring up that side quest though because like you have to go to this hospital and like the journey there is like so massive because you have to like go up a giant skyscraper to like this crane that connects two buildings and it's so high up in the sky that you can't even like see the ground and then you have to descend that skyscraper to get to a hospital and it's just it's so long and drawn out i mean there were a couple cool moments during it but it gave me kind of a bad taste in my mouth because all i can think of are like the shooting arena after shooting arena you know yeah exactly it's the same so like ellie's story i think maybe halfway through that first 15 hours like it gets a little combat heavy and that was when I started to get frustrated with the game. But Abby's story is just like that the whole way through. And it's it's really difficult because I didn't like the character as much. And as you're playing, like the character moments just feel thinner and thinner and thinner because they're coming between these huge, huge sections of combat. Yeah. And so like that side quest has some of the best like interactions between Abby and Lev. And it's also like Okay, so I want to talk about this because this is one of the big like controversies around the game. Yes. Is that, uh, so you find out that Lev, who's like the... So these two kids are a brother and sister. Um, Lev is the boy. And you find out that Lev is trans. Yeah. And that's actually... So they were like kicked out of the cult, the Seraphites. And yeah. the reason they were kicked out initially... And it's cool the way they do it because initially Lev is like, oh, I got kicked out because I shaved my head. And mm-hmm. Abby's like, why would you get kicked out for shaving your head? That's crazy. But then, like, she's like, well, I guess they're crazy, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. They're like <laughs> cultists. And then you actually run into people from the cult. Side note, I wish there was more of the cult in the game because they're scary as fuck. 
Yeah, well, the game does the thing where it, like, humanizes each faction, you know? Uh-huh. And we get a little teeny bit of that in the game, but not really a lot of it. I'm telling you right now, the DLC is going to be cult-based. It's going to be the cult. Yeah. But, yeah, like, the cult are really scary. They whistle, and they're really stealthy. Yeah, and, like, their, their whistle communication is so cool, and it's, like, in-depth because they have, like, warning whistles and, like, come over here and help me and give me backup whistles. And, yeah. Uh, and they're they, you're trying to hide from them in the woods, like in the deep grass, and they're like whistling to each other. It's really cool. Yeah, but yeah, so like the cult is really like interesting. But then the only interaction you get is through Lev. So Lev says we got kicked out because I shaved my head, and then you get to another section, you run into some people from the cult, and they say, "Oh hey, it's the apostate. Let's kill this person." And they start referring to them as a different name, and yeah. you're like, "Oh shit." Lev is trans, like a trans boy, and uh, that's why him and his sister got kicked out of the cult. And it's like a cool moment, and then they talk about it like a little bit, you know, just the characters back and forth, but it's very like terse. Well, uh, not kicked out, but like tortured and executed because Lev was supposed to be a child bride for one of the elders. Yes. So like you get this whole like picture that it's like oh they're like this intolerant religious cult or whatever yeah. uh but yeah it's it's interesting it's good character building it's good world building uh and this is okay but i have to talk about this because this is both really sad and also very darkly funny once again is that there was a game of telephone <laughs> that happened <laughs> with uh idiotic brain dead gamer chuds and mm. somebody basically said there's a trans character in the game. And then they saw an image of Abby, the main character playing as, who mm. is just a woman with really big arms. She's fucking ripped. She she's like built like Schwarzenegger. She looks like she looks like a female bodybuilder. Yeah, like totally. if you've ever seen a female bodybuilder, they have like a specific like profile, right? Mm-hmm. She has that exact same profile. And you also like see her partially naked in a weird sex scene that happens too. No, so, you see her like super naked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, she looks like a female bodybuilder, but somebody heard that there's a trans character in the game and then they saw a picture of Abby. And because as we all know about gamer chuds, they're very, very uh, well educated about fitness and the female form. <laughs> so they thought Abby is trans. This game is SJW propaganda, yep. which when I read that, I once again was first like disgusted and then just like, this is hilarious because <laughs> like you're so fucking brain dead that you couldn't like interrogate that image you saw at all or like deal with it in any way. And I was really like gamers must be stopped. I mean, we've all seen the photos of Chloe Grace Morenz after her, <laughs> um, you know, workout debacle. Yeah. People exactly. can get this buff. <laughs> Um, also, like, I love how um, there's a part uh, during Abby's world building where she scarfs down a burrito. Yeah. You slam that trial button, triangle button to get them proteins. Yeah, that was a good part. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, that... But, okay, so that little storyline, like, has the best character moments. It has the best interactions in Abby's campaign. It has all of her most humanizing moments and ends up with her being a more like relatable character, but it's like the worst part of her story gameplay wise 
and the whole thing is just such a slog like yeah. I just couldn't believe it it was so annoying that when you finally get the medical equipment to uh, fix Yara and get her arm amputated that like 20 minutes later she like dies unceremoniously, unceremoniously. like I knew that was gonna happen but it was just like such a slap in the face because of that like huge side tracking side quest yeah well, okay, and we have to talk about some thematic stuff here, right? And that And that's a good segue into it. Um, I think one thing that really started to bother me during Abby's storyline, right, was the thematic messaging in the game, right? Mm. This game during this section does a bunch of stuff that's like trying to humanize the other side, quote unquote, right? Like, yeah. they're trying, so like, you meet all these people that you've already murdered as Ellie. You meet a bunch of dogs. This is like big headline in the game. You kill dogs. Oh my yeah. God. American people and their dogs. Like this is honest, the- I don't like it. No, I didn't like it either, but like the pearl, cl- <laughs> the pearl clutching about the violence in this game is like sure. hilarious to me because like I said, I think the game early on is just like, it's just kill bill. Like who cares? You know? And like, <laughs> it's off-putting and it's disgusting still and we'll talk about that but like so the whole point of this abby story is that they're trying to like humanize the other side right but they lay it on like so thick and by the time you get to that point like where yara dies you realize that like the theme of the game is like violence bad yes and if you remember our last episode i said that the most shallow and like nihilistic and like cynical take you could have on the first game was violence bad well guess what everybody it's violence bad the game it's violence bad but like the vehicle for the game is extreme violence like yeah they they you know even during the firefights they try to humanize the other side when you shoot someone like someone else might yell like oh stacy's got shot oh no stacy yeah or if you shoot somebody and you don't really kill them immediately they'll like writhe on the ground in pain screaming you know things like that where they they, like try to make you feel an impact for the violence but this game is so violence based that it just becomes more noise yes no a hundred percent and i've said before okay soma episode Call back to our Soma episode. I said that the first time I shot a guy in a game and he begged for his life, I was fucking traumatized <laughs> and I didn't play a game with a gun in it for like years, right? Like I'm the target market for that, but in this game, it is so absurd and over the top that it didn't land with me. It feels, like I said earlier, hollow and disingenuous. The reason is that you don't have any options. Like yes. the game doesn't give you options. So all it's doing is just making you or like not making you it's letting you play the game and then scolding you for not turning the game off in real life it it has no point has no substance fast forwarding okay everybody abby loves is dead everybody ellie loves is dead and it's abby versus ellie you're playing as abby ellie is the person you have to take down i didn't want them to fight no but you have to make them fight each other yeah. Well, and that wasn't even the first time that happened to me. The first time that happened to me in the game was much earlier. I had shot and I thought killed someone. And this la- it was this lady. She wasn't dead. She started begging me to spare her. And I was oh, like, yeah. well, that's fucked up. But like, what happens if I walk away? Because that's me. I walked away and she shot me. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, 
you are not giving me a choice as a player. You're not letting me interrogate the issue. Instead, you're just forcing me to go through the motions and then you're scolding me. That's why I said I would rather just watch a movie of this game. <laughs> you know, the other big problem I had with this is that I don't like the rhetorical style of it and I don't like the setting. Like mm. moving this into a wartime setting and making the the theme violence bad, it basically takes the messaging of the first game, which I thought was interesting and then it moves it into a less interesting territory which is basically war is hell like by the end of this game the only message that i could have taken from it is war is hell it's just that violently retaliating against an outgroup is bad which is like what like who needs to hear that messaging i mean like that's such a generic bland message like you could put me and you could put a super conservative war hawk guy in a room together and you could say war is hell and get both of us to go. Yep. Right. Like you're not interrogating the issues that make me ideologically different from that person. You're just giving us like an easy to agree with platitude and then like hoping that we both cry. Sure. <laughs> like, it just, it just felt really, really empty. Mm hmm. So, okay, yeah, Abby beats the shit out of Ellie. Like, super screwed up. Abby's about to kill her, but Lev convinces her not to. And Abby says, I never want to see you again, and they ride off into the sunset. And the game fasts forward a year into a sort of epilogue where Ellie and Dina are living on a farm with Dina's fresh little baby and everything seems like really peaceful and everything's going really well for them. And I thought this was like a really interesting like thematic term because this is one of the parts where the game actually like slams on the brakes. Yeah. And I was, I was really expecting the game to end at this point too. Yeah. Because there's a point, you know, like the sun is setting and like Ellie's holding this baby and they're having a moment together. And I'm like, this might be an okay for place for the game to end. But um, Tommy shows up. We all thought Tommy was dead, but like Tommy's just like really fucked up now. Yeah, yeah. And Tommy got word that um, Abby's doing some trading on like the California coastline. And so Ellie's dumbass decides to pack up in the middle of the night and go fucking kill Abby. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Like, don't you have it good right now? But she <laughs> she can't let it go. And, and and I can't tell if it's, like, guilt from Tommy or she just has this, like, fucking burning desire to still avenge Joel, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, there's a lot of weird conflicting messaging here when you get yeah. to this part of the story. Because, like, okay, so there's one message coming out, which is that slowly revealed and then it's kind of dumped on you at the end of the game which also once again made the pacing feel super fucked up because it felt like all that time with abby had distracted from this whole plot point and then it just all all gets dumped on you but the plot point is that ellie has a really fucked up relationship with joel that she's trying to square and like keep alive but she's mad at him because of what he did right Yeah, yeah she they openly clear the air about it. He tells her what he did, even though she already knew, 
like she gets a confirmation it's very hard for her to hear like she has all these conflicting feelings towards joel and then right at the end of the game she's like i'm mad at you because you know in a selfish way because i wanted my life to mean something if you had let me be the cure for this virus i would have had a meaningful life right sure so she's like searching for meaning in her life but then it's like when joel dies the air was not totally clear between them and they were like trying to kind of mend the relationship so she feels like something was robbed from her so she yeah. wants to go on this this revenge quest like part of her energy for it and some for like fervor towards it is from that mm-hmm. um but then yeah like everything she lives through and everything that happens and then she just decides to go back just felt it just felt so pointless it felt like another sequel and so yes. the, i feel feel like La- last of us 2 is really last of us 2 3 and 4 yeah and i i have like another kind of thought on this is that you know nowadays all girls know is eat hot chip and kill <laughs> it, it was just in her dna she just needed to kill more um yeah i mean it seemed like she had it all like she got Dina, the baby. She got some uh, rock and roll records. She's got a farm full of sheep. They yeah. seem to be doing great. Like, the house is in great shape. Ellie's playing guitar. She's got a nice, like, $3,000 custom Taylor guitar. Oh, Where hell the fuck yeah. did she find that thing? She leaves it outside of the case with the window open, which bothers me deeply. Like, that fucking rosewood fretboard is going to dry out, dude. Put some lumen oil on that shit. You can buy that shit, too. Taylor yeah. is selling that guitar. Really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's weird because so similar to Ellie and Joel's relationship, which you kind of get these snippets throughout the game, and then it gets kind of more snippets dumped on you at the end. There's also this like very briefly glimpsed uh, theme of like Ellie's just like really traumatized, and she has a lot of mental problems, mm, and she yeah. thinks that she's gonna like quiet the voices in her head by killing abby and it's yeah. it's just crazy because like that's actually a pretty interesting theme and there could have been more with that but there really isn't at all like mm. there's all these hints of like what made the first great game great and like what themes they could have interrogated with the sequel that they just don't and they just kind of like tease you with it and then bounce yeah i mean they really could have slammed so, you know, there's differences between, like, plots and themes, right? Right. And you're throwing so much plot at you, and you don't slam on the brakes. Like, you can't marinate on all the themes that it's trying to throw at you. Like, yeah. this game really should, you know, it, it it's really, like, a couple games worth of plot just squeezed in just because they could, I guess. But, but I don't know. See, the thing for me is that I felt a lot of the plot was really thin. Like I said, I felt like it was just you were getting glimpses of something, but because there was like so much of that relentless like combat one after another after another yeah. after another that like you would get to a character interaction and they would be really short and not like very, very there wouldn't be a lot of depth to it and it would just kind of breeze past you and you either didn't care or you were like really that's it like there's one of the days where you're just like you're killing so many dudes and it goes on mm. for so long and then you come home and dina just like bandages you up and you cuddle and i was like mad i was like yeah that's not enough like no i killed dina, a lot of dudes 
So I feel like Dina's character is problematic because she's just super not fleshed out. She's just kind of like this bright, bubbly girl that's tagging along with Ellie to kill countless men. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's the same thing with Abby's scenario with her, uh, her love interest, Owen. Yeah. Um, they, like, you know there's supposed to be, like, chemistry between them. But then, like, they throw this, like, Abby and Owen sex scene at you. And uh-huh. it, like, makes no sense. And then yeah. you know Owen is in this, like, rela- romantic relationship with another pregnant woman named Mel. So it's, like, like, what is the messaging going on? Like, I mean, like, they're just really unlikable characters from the design on up. And, like, mm-hmm. it's just... That was, like, a lot of the game was that I was just watching stuff happen that I didn't care about. Or I was watching stuff... Like you're saying, it's like, what is the significance of that sex scene? What is the significance of their relationship beyond just, like, really low-grade drama? Like, Mm -hmm. there were so many moments where I was like, is this just, like, a CW show and an HBO show had a baby? And, like, it's a dumb baby and I don't like it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah no, oh man sure. there, okay sorry there's one moment that just like oh god it really got me because i was like this is so much of what i don't like about this game uh and it's when you're you're playing as abby you're going on this super endless quest you're about to go to the hospital right and like you're inside the hospital but not in the depths of it and you're talking to this character named nora who's a doctor mm-hmm and it's like a walk and talk conversation. It goes on for a really long time and it's supposed to be tense because you're like dodging soldiers and stuff, but it's really slow and they literally talk about nothing. Like <laughs> they just talk about nothing the whole time. And yeah. it was like so deflating because you're in the middle of this endless side quest that just refuses to die. And like, this is one of your payoffs. And this is a character that you've seen as Ellie and you've fought as Ellie. So you're like, Maybe there's something interesting here that's going to happen to parallel. No, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Also, the relationship between Abby and Lev, they really try to push it to be like another Joel and Ellie. But Abby never becomes as likable as Joel ever was. Right. And while Lev is like a really interesting character, especially as like an outsider, like Lev doesn't understand like a lot of like colloquialisms and things like that it's kind of cute um lev kind of plays the same character that the actor that lev uh, is portrayed by played in the oa oh yeah uh, lev lev is portrayed by uh, ian alexander um from the oa and it, it's basically like the same character but uh, this one has a bow and arrow yeah and like Okay, so I'm going to throw this out there. I So I really liked Lev as a yeah. character. Very likable character. And I really... I liked what they tried to do with like Lev being trans, being rejected by his religion, blah, blah. But, like, man, the commentary on religion is so fucking ninth grade. <laughs> like, some of the shit that came out of Lev's mouth, I was just like, I cannot believe you wrote this into your game. Like, it's literally shit I would have said as, like, a conflicted Muslim kid in ninth grade. But it's, like, presented as, like, like oh, that's a thinker, huh? Like, Abby's oh, just God. like, why do you guys kill so much if you're, like, a peaceful religion? And then Lev's like, 
well, it's not in the scripture. It's just like, whoa, dude. Whoa. You know, and it's like, it's just this such like basic bullshit stuff. And I was like, and once again, the cult is never really humanized. Like you meet two. Well, first of all, I'm still calling it a cult. Like they call yeah. it a cult and they have a, they have a slur for them basically that they keep saying they call them scars because they have scars on their face. And yeah. like, you never mute move out of that viewpoint. The only two that you meet and interact with are two who are leaving because they've been ostracized. Like you don't, you only see their town as it's burning literally. Yeah. And like, you don't see anything or learn anything about their society and culture. That's like impactful or weighty. And I was just telling Monica, I guess I was joking, but I actually wasn't where I was like, dude, I feel triggered as fuck. Cause they sound like Muslims. And then now like, I only see them when their town is burning, just like white people see Muslims. And I was oh, like, God, yeah. Like I started to have that thought and I was like, Okay, so why is this game going out of the way its way to moralize to me about Abby's society, but not going out of its way to moralize to me about um, about Lev's society? And the reason is this game is not well fucking written. Like, I just wait until the DS DLC twenty nine ninety nine. Flesh it of out. Of course, the DLC. Yes. No, it's like I just don't feel like this game is well written. I don't feel like overall the plot overall there's good dialogue still there's good characters like there's good writing in the game but overall it just felt really thin it Mm. felt like just war is hell and that's not that's not compelling to me like i get that it is compelling to some people but it didn't make me think about myself at all Mm. like the first game made me think about myself and how i view images of violence and how like violence plays a role in our society like it took me out of the game and made me think about myself which i thought was really cool this game didn't do that and anytime it tried to do that it was laughable to me like i just thought it was goofy yeah well i mean newsflash the the best moments are still between ellie and joel yeah Yeah. and it's it's got a big write what you know problem right like they're trying to expand the scope and they're trying to do this other thing, but it's like it, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I frequently just had that thought or whereas like watching Joel and Ellie, it's like, this is really good in the first game. Right. Or even in this game, it's like, you know, this, you get this. And even like Ellie and Dina are like a decent pair and like some of their interactions are really good. And like, I liked the early game much better than the late game. And so it's like, well, you kind of get certain things here, but like, you don't know what you're writing. And it just, uh, just bothered hmm. me, you know? Well, okay. Well, let's move forward and talk about the sort of two or three hour epilogue, you know? Sure. Ellie takes off to Santa Barbara, California from her like super nice fucking farmhouse. Like, why are you leaving that? Anyways. She ends up in Santa Barbara. She's looking for the boat that Abby and Lev lived in after they escaped Seattle. Yeah. She finds it. Um, she also finds the this new sect of paramilitary assholes called the Rattlers. Um, they took Abby and Lev as, like, slaves. Okay, yeah. Hold on. Like, what? What? <laughs> 
like, okay, you're going to introduce another group of people. I I was telling Monica, because like she didn't watch me play the whole thing. She only saw bits and pieces and she was really bored by it. So she stopped pretty early on. But like I was playing, I just went, what? And then she was like, what? And I was like, I think I'm fighting slave traders. But like yeah. the game doesn't elaborate on it or explain it at all. And I was just like, wow, what a weird thing to put in your game and not explain. Like, fucking excuse me yeah so these rattler guys they're paramilitary but they're more like pretty fucked up they've got like zombies on chains and stuff it's very you know like fifth romero movie or walking dead or something yeah what's Uh, the one that he made in like the 2000s yeah i don't know it's like land of the dead didn't see that (laughs) dude it's totally i've seen it it's totally (laughs) land of the dead but yeah ellie infiltrates this place just to kill abby what yeah so well she infiltrates place she frees all the slaves and then like in the background you're just like hearing this like huge firefight between the rattlers and all the slaves that she just released the slaves tell abby that like or the slaves tell ellie that abby is like out on the coast and she's probably dead already so you go out there and you find all these people basically like crucified on poles and you find Abby and she's like shockingly emaciated. Yeah. Uh, super skinny, like sunburnt. Her like face is peeling. It's like really like kind of shocking. She's still alive. So you cut down Abby and you cut down Lev. Abby is like, hey, there are some boats over here. So all of a sudden you're like escaping with the person you decide you you came out here to kill yeah they throw lev in the boat and abby's about to leave she's like untying the boat and ellie's like no i can't let you leave so they like fight for like 10 minutes it's like the they live fight scene uh lacy said it was like uh the uh the pokemon movie where it was pikachu versus pikachu i didn't want to play this fight like, I would punch Abby and knock her down and then just stand there because I didn't want the fight to occur. Yeah. Um, but you're forced to make them fight once again. It's like a fist fight. And uh, turns out that, like, Abby ends up, like, biting off two of Ellie's fingers. And then Ellie has, like, a flashback moment with Joel. And she just, like, loses her shit and starts, like, crying. And she lets them leave. Yeah. After she gets her fingers bitten off. Yeah. And then so she goes home. She can't play guitar because she's missing two of her fingers. Her house is empty because Dina told her she was going to fucking leave her if she did that shit. Yeah. And that's the end of the game. Ellie threw her wow. life away for no fucking reason. Like, what? Better it, string that guitar up backwards so you can learn how to play lefty. Yeah, totally. I mean, it. that was the moment. Okay, I... The longer I played the game, the less I liked it. And that was the moment where I was like, this is just trauma porn. Like, this is just shit like those movies or like books or whatever, where it's just bad stuff keep happening, keeps happening. There's no point. There's no mm. outlet. And it just like ends. It's a bit of nihilism. But at the same time, it's like, uh, man, well, just imagine if your like formative years was filled with fucking extreme violence and constant terror. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like her mental state could have been 
really played up in the epilogue. Yeah. Because, you know, you see moments of her PTSD and trauma, and it just seems like a weak driving force for her revenge, like, once again. Yeah. But then, like, her PTSD and trauma turns out to be the reason why she ends up not killing Abby and letting them go. Because she, I guess, after, you know, fucking stabbing Abby 12 times during that fight, she, I don't know, something changes in her brain. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think, you know, I don't think anything happens in this game that I was mad just because it happened. I didn't like most of the stuff that happened in the game because I just didn't feel like there was a point to it. Like, yeah, Mm. I mean, the ending could have been super powerful or like the end section of the game could have been powerful if we had more of a window into Ellie's psyche, if we got to actually see what Ellie is thinking and what Ellie is going through, but we don't. We just get little flashes of it that are really intriguing. And then we're just like going along with the plot. Like it seems like blind, dumb revenge. And like, it seems like the, the player doesn't even want that to happen. And so like this whole anti-violence message and like forcing the player to be violent when you know that like, you don't want Ellie to go down that path. Like it's it's just so, it's really confusing and I don't know. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, you're playing through the game and once again you're getting all this moralizing you're getting all this messaging like oh they're people you're killing people they're real people and like oh like revenge is so bad but then like you can never act on it you can never have a stake in it like you're literally just watching it all happen and that was the point where i was like this feels just like trauma porn like i'm just watching all this bad stuff happen i can't do anything about it it's senseless and there's no meaning and i think that the people who made this game or the the director of this game or whoever made this decision was thinking that that would be powerful but Mm. it to me it didn't land with any weight it just felt pointless and it felt like playing the game was pointless experiencing the game was pointless everything that happened in the story was pointless there was nothing i could take away from it like it got so hollow and empty that the only thing i could imagine taking away from it is well i guess if someone kills a loved one and i decide to go on two insane impossible misguided revenge quests maybe i'll think (laughs) back to the last of us 2 and say not gonna do it yeah in the cycle of violence it stops with you yeah like what but like i like the setup like the setup being that Ellie is going to do a Kill Bill revenge quest and you're on Ellie's side, even though, you know, violence is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finding out that, hey, the people who actually did the thing had their own motivations. That's actually kind of an interesting setup, like Abby's dad being the scientist that Joel killed, like the scientist yeah. who was going to yeah. who was supposedly going to save the world. Like, that's an interesting setup. But even then... Sorry, I know I'm monologuing, but I just keep thinking of stuff that bothered me throughout this game. Because even then, I remember going into the game, like if you listen to our episode on The Last of Us 1, I had said, I'm unclear about the timeline of the first game, right? Because there is a suggestion that they maybe just took an unconscious girl and started operating on her, which Mm. is very fucked. And in which case, like, fuck those people. But... We don't know that. And so I was expecting at some point in this game to marry, maybe 
we'll get an interrogation of that. Or there's, there is repeatedly the insinuation that the Fireflies were full of shit, they were not good people, and that they wouldn't have been able to do shit with Ellie, and Ellie would have died for no reason. Which, mm-hmm. Joel kind of says that, but once again, all these thematic questions and interesting plot points left hanging from the first game are not addressed. It's not in the game. Yeah, well, I don't know. I th- again, the best parts of the game are, is, you know, this tension between Joel and Ellie, you know, when her confrontation with him and then him dealing with the fallout of this relationship. And then, you know, I think, you know, Joel's decisions in the first game, like dictated like the future and end of his life. Right. And, you know, that's interesting uh, and that's the most interesting part of The Last of Us 2. And I just don't know that, like, all the Abby stuff really helped with that. You know, I guess yeah. it's cool that, you know, her dad was the doctor and all that. But, you know, humanizing the wolves, like the paramilitary people and stuff, like, characters like Manny and Owen and Mel are just not really. I don't know. It didn't compel me at all. I didn't feel like companionship with them like I did with Ellie and Joel. No, totally. I I agree with that 100%. When Manny gets shot in the face, I was like, oh. Yeah. No, same. And especially since at that point you're so beaten down with just violence and combat that you're just like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess like maybe if this game was trying to make you feel like you were actually in a war and be like, Look at how desensitized you've become. Like, I don't know, I guess. But like, there's a big, there's a big hole there. There's a thing that doesn't make that work, which is that you still have your allegiances. Like the a war is such a bad setting for this game, in my opinion, because if you're in a war, it's an extreme conflict. Like you have your allegiances and you have your sides, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm basically living a fucking war zone right now. And like, if it was like, okay, go out and kill a hundred Nazis to save one of your friends, like, duh, I'm going to kill all the Nazis. Or it's like, <laughs> you know, like fucking kill a cop to save your friend. Like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Like I, you're like this game could have been set in Minneapolis and one side could be the cops. And the other guy, side could be like unarmed black people and yeah. you could literally have the same story play out. That's bad. That's fucking bad. Do we want to play as the roided out cop? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, Abby's a cop. Like fuck Abby. Whoa there. That's a pretty scorching hot take. Um, so I thought I'd pause for a moment and try and explain what I meant. Cause I was thinking of something specifically, I was thinking specifically of this clip that I had seen earlier in the day. And it was of a bunch of Minneapolis cops on like a CBS news show. And they were trying to explain their side of things, you know, uh, you know, during this protest and everything that's going on. And of course, Bob Kroll's there. Um, Bob Kroll being like a, an actual like real life supervillain. And there's another cop there uh, who named Sergeant Anna Hedberg. And she's explaining that uh, cops shouldn't live in the communities they police because if they, what if they have to go to the store and see the people they've arrested and they're just never be safe because they're policing these communities. That's bullshit, right? Like we talked about it in our black lives matter episode that we did. Um, it's 
uh, called Why We Talk About What We Talk About. And just seeing this clip, it just made me so fucking angry because it was just more like copaganda bullshit, right? And I guess the point I'm trying to make here by calling Abby a cop and saying some incendiary things about police, uh, which I'm not sorry about, and that's why I didn't delete this. I, I just thought I should stop and explain it so people understand what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that when you choose to show the other side of a conflict, right, when you've committed to one side of it and you want to show the other side, there has to be a compelling reason for doing that. Because if there isn't a compelling reason, all you're doing is just repeating the old centrist bullshit trope of there's good people on both sides or there's bad people on both sides, right? Which taken in a total vacuum, I guess, is like a neutral statement, but we don't live in a vacuum. We live in a world where people actively use that statement to push forward racist, hurtful agendas. And so I think that like when you get this glimpse into the society that Abby comes from and they're like these warrior cops, basically, and they're like literal colonizers, they are attacking a religious minority group, a religious minority group that like, you know, most of us would not agree with their beliefs and practices. But at the same time, like, do we agree that they should be ethnically cleansed by another group, which is like literally what the wolves do? to them i mean i don't know it just seems like there's a lot of myopia in this issue there's a lot of blind spots in them trying to be like oh look look at the totality of this issue look at both sides and i guess to me like i said it just came off about all these clips now that are surfacing of cops crying and complaining about you know pissing their burgers and other fake shit that's not real uh and it's like i don't fucking care I mean, you guys murder unarmed black people. You guys harass innocent people. You ruin people's lives. You fucking murder unarmed black people. Like, I don't give a fuck. And if some fucking bullshit zombie game walks in and starts trying to give me the same rhetoric, guess what? I don't want to fucking hear it. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm not saying that The Last of Us 2 is like, what's wrong with the world? But like, you know what I'm saying? Don't tell me there's good people on both sides. Like, I don't want to fucking hear it. Not now. I don't know. Maybe never. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Abby. All my homies hate Abby. <laughs> no, it's it's just like, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is that like, when you set it in an extreme conflict, there are in-groups and out-groups and there's sides and like, trying to just say that like, war is bad is bullshit or try to say like, violence is bad is bullshit. It's centrist nonsense. There's no point to be made here there's nothing to be said it's interesting that you know you come to the conclusion that it's centrism and then people on the internet think it's like extreme sjw nonsense yeah well <laughs> it's just yeah uh yeah that internet echo chamber is something else isn't it uh, I just I think this game is a cipher I think you see what you want to see in it because ultimately there isn't anything at its core well, I That's, think I, well I just you know some people on the internet don't like humanize gay and trans people yeah you know and that's that's just reflective of them being fucked up people 
Yes. Or just completely ignorant and, like, don't know any gay people. But at this point, like, who the fuck doesn't know a gay person? Like, you know, you're just a bigot. It doesn't matter. We're past it. You shouldn't need to know someone to respect their right to exist. Totally. Like, it's like, come on, totally. fuck you. The but end. like, <laughs> yeah, the end. Exactly. I mean, this game brings up a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. It brings up a lot of points. And I, I, I don't, I don't, the last of us one wasn't a fucking salad of all these like different ingredients. You know what I mean? Uh, this game has part two has too many ingredients, you know? simplify things make it hit harder personally i'm not saying it's a bad game it's definitely not a bad game and it's just like it's a technical showpiece it's a lot of fun it is like you know like action and violence heavy so it's probably not for everyone and it's got it's it's got some great story you know the joel and ellie stuff is really good but yeah it you know people that played metal gear solid 2 when it came out like no you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. This game hits different than the first one, and uh, and not in a perfect way. But it's still, I would say, if if you love the first game, you have to play the second one. Like you have to, at least to be part of the conversation. I don't know if I agree with that. I would say honestly, if you liked the game, if you liked my take on it, and you liked that game mostly for its themes and what it was trying to do, I don't know if you'll like this game because I don't. I don't think I like this game. Like, this game is insanely well-made. Like, it is a marvel in a lot of ways, and there's parts of it that are good, but overall, I did not like it. Mm. I repeatedly thought to myself, this is awful. Like, (laughs) and, you know, this is something I was thinking about, too. A couple things I was thinking about. I had so many thoughts about it, because it's just so insane, right? Yeah, yeah. One was that, and you can hear me say this in The Last of Us 1 episode, um, that the reviews that were coming out, the early reviews of The Last of Us 2, all seemed really boneheaded. Like, the positive ones, the negative ones, it just seemed dumb. And I, I didn't know why, right? And then I found out about that embargo I was talking about earlier, and it totally fucking makes sense. Because they couldn't talk about so many of the things that make the game so frustrating, right? Yeah. Like, they couldn't talk about the you have to play as Abby. They couldn't talk about how it tries to do this, like, both sides kind of storytelling and like how long it is and how much of a slog it is and why it's such a slog and like how thin the plot moments are when compared to like how much you have to do to get there like they couldn't talk about any of that stuff and i really started to feel bad i was like i'm I'm, i feel bad that i slogged off some of those uh some of those journalists i mean i just felt bad because i I get the struggle you know it's impossible to review a game you can't fucking analyze you know yeah like, how well, do you talk yeah. about its underlying themes when you can't talk about the plot? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, st- I still think that embargo was bullshit because number one, they have to, people have to know the setup. It's a continuation of the first game story. Like, come on, you have to know the setup. And the other thing is that I think that people should know that halfway through you play as a different character and it goes in a totally different direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Metal Gear Solid 2 got like hit pretty hard on the review scales because of that yeah you know i remember it getting like sevens you know when metal gear solid one was getting tens well and that's the thing is that i i agree with that like i don't like metal gear solid 2 for a lot of the same reasons i don't like this game which Mm -hmm. is that i think that it tries to do a really deep and heady and cinematic kind of thing and it just falls flat because it's trying to do too much so like 
There's bits of Metal Gear Solid 2 that are great. There's ideas in there that are actually really ahead of their time. And then there's the rest of the game. Yeah. And it's like not good. And it's, you know, it's there's so many parallels. Like, I just felt like it really felt like the developers blowing their lead, right? Because like with the first game, they'd made you become so attached to these characters and you got to know them so well. With the second game, there's so much you could do in the theme and the story and all this stuff because the characters are so invested in them. And instead, they decide to transition over to these totally other characters that you don't give a shit about. And then they're not like well-written or endearing enough for you to start giving a shit about them, except yeah. in a very like vague kind of way. And then it's just like, yes, this is the game. This is what you do. It's That's annoying. the main problem. They didn't they didn't do anything for that second cast of characters to ever grip you or make you give a shit. Yeah. You know what it's like? You know what it's like? Here's what it's like. I just figured it out. Wow. Here it is. Okay. So you know that scene in Shaun of the Dead when they're walking and they run into the other group of survivors <laughs> who are like a mirror image of them? Yeah. yeah. Now imagine if at that exact moment... No, no, no. Let's say imagine a little bit later when they're in the bar and you're not sure if they're going to survive yet. Uh, the, the movie cuts to black, opens back up on that other group of survivors, and then shows you an entire hour of their story before <laughs> showing you the end of the first group. It's like, no, no. Maybe this game, hot take, maybe this game should have followed the Hitman strategy and made it episodic. Imagine that. Imagine if the um, the prologue, like everything leading up to Joel's death, was released, and then like two weeks later, you get Ellie's first scenario. Sure. And then you get time to marinate on that, and because you know it, it hangs on that cliffhanger. And then two weeks later, you get the Abby scenario, and then you get the epilogue. I. You, I feel like I would have enjoyed the game more if I had played it like that in chunks. Like, I played Last of Us 1, beat it in three days. I feel like this game should be played in, like, three weeks. Just because there's so much combat. Like, I feel like that would spread it out and make it feel a little more even. You're not just yeah. getting, like, a whole bite of mayonnaise in the sandwich. You know? well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too, though, is that I think... I don't disagree with you. But I still keep coming back to the big problem is that you detour into Abby's story yep. for seven fucking hours. And the, the thing, too, is that all of the parts of the combat gameplay that I hated the most were amplified in her story. Yeah. If you took that out and it was just Ellie's story, there'd be no hideous bosses. Can we talk about that? There's these horrible fucking bosses in the game that suck ass. The basement in the hospital with the, uh, it looks kind of like the thing from uh, inside where it's like a bunch of bodies stuck to each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no thanks. Uh, you wouldn't have that. You wouldn't have as many of the horrible evil within defend the door scenarios. Like yeah. you wouldn't have as many combat gauntlets. Like all this stuff would be out of the game. And then imagine if you only played short chunks of Abby's story. And then after you finish the game, which would now be about closer to 16, 17 hours, then they have a DLC where you can play all of Abby's story. It's all the stuff you missed and it's harder. So you're ready for it. If you beat the game. Sure. And it's, and like, 
Then they have another one, of course, that, like you said, is totally coming where you're a cultist. Um, and like that would be a much better way to do it because people mm. who just want the experience of the story could get the experience of the story. I would still have a lot of problems with the story, but I wouldn't have been as resentful of it, yeah. you know? Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it ultimately boils down to a pacing issue and a plot issue. So, yeah. yeah. And they're just not being likable characters. Like, no one in the Wolves was like, oh, that's a cool character. Yeah, no. But even, like, within the characters that you do already know or like, I mean, I don't know. There's just so few moments like the first game where you're just, like, bonding and hanging out and, like, getting to know them. Yeah. This game just feels so bleak in a way that doesn't serve the story or the themes or a player's enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't need that. I didn't need that right now. I feel fucking bad. Like I feel so <laughs> bad. And playing this game was just like getting kicked in the shins over and over and over. Cause it's like, Jesus Christ. I already feel bad, dude. I said in the first episode that it's like, I'm curious to see how this game is going to be received given that everybody already feels like shit. And I don't know how everybody else feels, but I just, I just felt, I mean, I feel negative towards anything. Like you could show me, you could show me a fucking picture of a baby and I would be like, ugh, you know, but Dina's beautiful baby. That was a really cute baby actually. Um, but I just felt so negative towards it. Like it was just bludgeoning me. It was just holding my head underwater and I just didn't like it. Um, it was holding your head underwater until you bit its fingers off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't have such a negative reaction to it. Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I don't know. Monica watching me play it was like really funny because I think she started to like, <laughs> see, she just got to watch me like slowly lose my fucking mind. And like, especially the longer that Abby's story went on. And it was just mm. like, once again, I mean, and I think. I, like I was saying in the first episode, I was questioning reviewers being so critical of the violence, but now I get it just from the standpoint of like, I didn't want to be there anymore. And yeah. it's not just that I didn't want to be there anymore. It was that I was still there and I was shooting dogs and then I was shooting people <laughs> and they were like yelling each other's names and begging for their lives. And like, yeah. once again, I'm not against this kind of stuff. One of my favorite games ever is Soma. Soma is like one of the most spiritually damaging games ever made. Like <laughs> it is so dark and horrible, but like it's, it felt like there was a point to that yeah. game. Yeah. It felt like it was with reason and the game was trying to communicate with me, the player. It wasn't just doing it because of like, you know, a design checklist, like sure. Just fuck. And oh God, the other thing too is like, you think about this game being like fucking 10 hours too long. And it's like, that's 10 hours that people are literally being tortured in real life because Naughty Dog like notoriously crunches its employees. And also it's oh, like yeah. today we just got the breaking story that there's like, you know, rampant like sexual misconduct at Insomniac. When are we going to get that for fucking Naughty Dog? And it's like, come on. Like the disregard for human life in a game can also become disregard for human life in real life like you look at rockstar and it's like they make these fucking sociopath games oh and it turns out that they promote and like people who sexually assault their employees and it's like i don't know man this shit can't all be disconnected it's not just all games it can't be keep your politics out of my games like mm. if a game makes me feel this bad i'm gonna start questioning other things about the people who made it i'm sorry 
Well, if you keep talking about workers' rights, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my balaclava. <laughs> if you keep talking about workers' rights, we're gonna come up with an elaborate scheme to make it seem like you killed yourself. <laughs> That's America. Hell yeah. All right, so. The one last thing I did want to bring up is that there is a, um, you know, this this group of fans, Last of Us fans, uh, they've started a petition to have Naughty Dog rewrite The Last of Us 2. Hilarious. It's, it's, just, it's the same thing we saw with uh, the way they botched Game of Thrones last year or two years ago. Um, the fan entitlement for the way like okay we don't like the way the story went through this game but like why do fans feel so entitled that they want to like twitter blast naughty dog or like start petitions to get them to rewrite the game you know that is a good question (laughs) and uh i think that slowly people have been forgetting that the internet isn't real life (laughs) and also that video games aren't real life and I think that coronavirus has made that worse a lot worse Mm. and so there are people for whom this is like real life and they're like we need systemic change in like the writing of the last of us too <laughs> which is like no we need systemic change in like the police <laughs> and like capitalism. you know capitalism and you know like we have a huge homelessness problem that's only getting worse because people can't pay their rent that's what you make petitions and do shit about it's not fucking real life it's just crazy like i was thinking about it too sometimes with people who get so crazy about graphics and shit where it's like, oh, I saw a texture pop in. It's like, you know, it's not real life, right? Like, <laughs> like if you see a texture pop in in real life, you need to go to a doctor. That's some serious shit. But like, that did fucking- bother me in this game. Like, <laughs> really, I'm like holding this note with four pixels, and then like ten seconds later, the texture pops in. Come on, PlayStation Four. But it's just a, it's just a computator, James. It's not it it won't life. do that on the PlayStation Five. Oh yeah, for on sure. On the Last of Us 2 remastered where they yeah. rewrite the game due to outrage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really would actually I would like it if they did a remaster where they like did a remix and did what I said where they just pop out Abby's part and then make it like a bonus chapter. They should just montage Abby's part. Yeah, oh, totally. With, uh, <laughs> you're the best around. Playing underneath it. Yeah, sick, like, just dude. her, like, breaking dudes' necks with her giant fucking biceps. Yeah, totally. <laughs> exactly. And, like, high-fiving that little kid. Yeah. I don't it's just, it, that was so weird, because it, it was like, it felt the opposite of the way I felt about the first game. Like I already said, where it's like, I felt like that DLC should have been in the game. It was, mm-hmm. like, two hours, it was super good, great character building for Ellie. Sure. And yeah. this was like the opposite where it's like, why was all this stuff in the text? Like, why is this the game? And I don't know. I just keep coming back to like, I feel like there's just so much overinflated like nonsense where it's just like, we're making this great grand masterpiece. I was like, eh. Yeah. Well, okay. Last question. Where the fuck is part three going to go? Cause you know, there's going to be a part three. Um, I don't know if there will be. This feels like pretty 
pretty definite, dude. I don't know what the hell else they could do with this story and world. Like, I'm I'm hoping for like sad forty year old loner Ellie with eight fingers. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. Sick. Man. I'm kind of like done with it. This was this was enough for me. It was too much, <laughs> and I don't I don't want him to do anything else because I I don't have confidence in in them doing something that I'll think is cool. Because mm. like. I kept saying, you know, it's like the first part of the game, I was with them. I was like, okay, we're not doing something heady. We're just doing Kill Bill. Uh, And then it's like they just kept trying to throw me off. And every time I just liked it less and less and less, you know? Oh, I've got one. Last of Us 3, Dina's baby, like six-year-old killer. Six-year-old with a switchblade, AK-47. Well, it's like how there's that story set up in Kill Bill where she goes to the little girl. She's like, if you still feel raw about this, you come find me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. That'd be oh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I, I can get behind something just being Kill Bill and just being violent, just being over the top and blah, blah, blah. But it has to be not so not fun. <laughs> like mm. this game was so self-serious and so grim. And for me, it just felt like it was all for nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm giving it four stars, and I'm sticking to my guns. God damn. <laughs> Must play. I mean, it's not great. It's good. It's a sequel. Sequels are never as good as the originals. Um, I um, give this game a We Are Nihilists, We Believe in Nothing out of ten. <laughs> uh, four jars of Miracle Whip out of ten. Perfecto. 